Hey, one more thing before you go. Myofascial release, integrative nutrition, holy fire, and Karuna Reiki. What do all these things have in common? Hamali Bora, who in this episode we're going to have a conversation with about death, loss, grief, legacy work, and living life to the fullest. I'm your host, Michael Hurst. This is That Thing About Myofascial Release, Holy Fire, and Karuna Reiki. My guest in this episode is Hamali Bora. She's an expert holistic practitioner. She's an intuitive energy healer and a spiritual mentor with over two decades of working in healthcare field as a physical therapist. She's helped coach and guided hundreds of patients and their families deal with chronic illness, disabilities, and personal traumas. I've experienced every, each and every one of those. We're going to learn how, through her own journey that was filled with immense grief, depression, traumas, and health challenges about living intuitive guidance. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate your journey and where you've come from. I mean, obviously, as we, I had just pointed out, uh, I use just about everything that, uh, that you practice. Uh, I'm interested in a couple of new things that I haven't heard of, so okay. we'll, we, I'd like to get into those things and uh, kind of unfold your journey. So let's kind of start at the beginning. Um, where'd you grow up? Um, I grew up in India. I was born there. And uh, as a teenager, I moved here to U.S. in 1991. And so I did my um, high school in India. and But my college years, I, um, I went here in Maryland. Oh, here in the United States? States? Yes. So... Did you, you and your family move here or just you? Yes, my, um, I came with my dad, mom, and my siblings. So you guys all immigrated here? Yes. So it's been 30 years. 30 years. That's, yeah. that's a while. <laughs> yeah. so I've lived like? here in the U.S. longer than I've lived in India. But um, I do uh, go back frequently. I still have extended family over there. And um, there is this huge connection. Um, Family's good. <laughs> yes, absolutely. And keeping those connections is even better, actually. Sometimes mm -hmm. people get forgotten, especially when you're in different countries. They get kind of forgotten, which is unfortunate, but you keep it going. So yes. what was your family like? Um, so we grew up, um, well, what's my family like? Um, so we're Hindus, and uh, my parents have different style. My mom... Um, they both pray every day and they follow yoga. So they do um, the yoga asanas and then also the breathing exercises daily. Um, but prayer and having faith uh, was very important. But we weren't so much forced to believe and follow what they were. But it was almost like passive uh, teachings where 
there are uh, chantings and mantras going on in the background. The music is always going, uh, prayers and hymns. And um, of course, they took us to temples and uh, activities, but we were never... Um, uh, my dad raises very independent, especially the girls um, saying that you can do and achieve whatever you want to. You're no less than a boy. And so that has played a significant role in our life, uh, my sister and uh, my life for sure. I was about to say, you keep saying we, so you have brothers or sisters, you have a sister. Yeah. I have a sister, younger sister and a younger brother. Uh, I'm the older one. And um, also two different style, meaning my dad believed in more of a service to people, feeding people, uh, giving to people. Um, whatever they needed, like uh, helping them through their hardship. And my mom believed in this devotion um, with daily prayers. And um, yeah, so she kind of followed a different route, which we were introduced to both. Yes, that's, well, I mean, I think a diverse cultural background um, yes. is important in life because it gives you an opportunity to look at things from different perspectives. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So you said you went to university here? Yeah, I went to Howard University. I graduated with my master's in physical therapy uh, in 2000. Um, and then, you know, I worked uh, in D.C. for a little bit at a hospital nursing home. And then um, more local to a, a local small community hospital. I've been working there. But I also in between worked um, with an agency. So I did a little bit of... Um, uh, home health. Um, I also uh, so saw uh, kids. Uh, I've worked with kids outpatient, and I've also done a little bit of uh, hospital um, rehab care, uh, acute care. So I've outpatients. I've done it all uh, those uh, areas where I've worked in even um, uh, work hardening place uh, where. Uh, and, you know, employees are injured and they go to um, go for rehab. So you pretty much, you started as a physical therapist. Do you, are you still a physical therapist? Uh, yes, I am licensed in Maryland and I see um, my patient. So I do, um, I don't take insurance. It's one-on-one, -on -one. you know, I, I spent hour, hour and a half with my patient um, and really, but then now my approach is different because I include uh, nutrition. I talk about nutrition, more of a holistic, what works for you, what doesn't work for you. Um, also include uh, energy healing work and myofascial release is also uh, body energy work. Um, so kind of include yeah. everything in there. Yeah, I'm excited about breaking some of those things down for, um, yeah. for our viewers and our listeners. Um, you're an avid traveler. Yes. Is that where you I learned all most of this? Say that again. Sorry. Is, is that what got you interested in in a lot of these other modalities? Um, no, I think the more of um, the energy work, really what started was my kids had severe asthma. And... Um, I kept giving them steroids and, you know, the regular, what doctors tell you to give your kids and, um, like tw year round 365 days, giving them, um, the, um, allergy medications, 
you know? And so I knew there is something to, out there that can change. Like I need to take responsibility for them. There are these kids that are constantly sick. I called myself these frequent flyers. We were at f- frequent flyers at our doctor's pediatrician's office, right? We would go like two to three times a month to see the, because they would have um, asthma attacks or some kind of allergy that would trigger, uh, you know, cold cough that wouldn't go. So more and more antibiotics and steroids put in them. Um, And then you see the effect on your kids, right? The brittle bones and the moon face, and they gain so much weight around the midsection. They don't... um, get tall, like they don't grow, the height mm-hmm. kind of gets stunt. So um, I had a friend who also was a physical therapist, but her daughter was going through the same uh, celiac disease and how she shifted and changed, where she um, got her holistic nutrition coaching certification, and she was kind of guiding me through. And I'm telling you, the first year, I was just in the school learning everything, and I threw out everything in the house from cleaning supplies to shampoo, conditioner, toothpaste, um, deodorant. I mean, you name it. I threw things out. Nail polishes. I don't use that anymore. Um, Just any kind of trigger and organic food and everything. And I am telling you, I, yes, spend more money on food and um, more money on us than the medical uh, medicines and doctors and things, because in that one year that we just initiated change, my literally we went to doctor's office two to three times a year that year. Wow. Yeah, so it's amazing. Drastic change. Yeah, amazing. It, it's if people really stopped and thought about what's in mm-hmm. everything that you put on or yeah. in your body, it, mm-hmm. it really would open your eyes. I mean, it's a journey that I took. I took this journey. 20, but 21 years ago. Wow, yeah. Where I, I kind of turned my life around and went mm-hmm. to vegan, uh, became a vegan. And then um, I went to uh, dairy-free and gluten-free mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I had done the research and I had, I, mm-hmm. I had the benefit of a Chinese acupuncturist and Chinese medicine mm-hmm. doctor. And uh, I was doing acupuncture before it was a fad. I can't do little quotes because my other shoulder's not working yet. Yeah, okay. yeah. <laughs> so that's a half quote. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, it it uh, it's amazing. What, yeah. And I'm so sensitive now. So if I walk into a room and they've got like air freshener that somebody sprayed, oh, yeah. I have to turn around and walk back out because they're because oh yeah, but it smells good. Yeah, but it'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, um, I have issue with that, especially with hand sanitizer and the smell of it. Um, it just sends me into this bout of cough and, you know, poor, my husband used to use lots of cologne on himself and I just couldn't stay in the same room. So he had to slowly, you know, decrease his use of that. And he uses essential oils now and, you know, he loves it. So, um, it's, it's, it's been a journey. Um, it's been a slow process. It doesn't happen overnight. Um, we started in 2015 and, um, with the food and everything. Right. So, yeah. And so kids are doing well and not only just the food, focusing on other things, like what is the stress level? Are they sleeping enough? What are some of the activities that we can add in 
So I focused more on adding things instead of taking out so that kids and then slowly, steadily um, adding in like taking out dairy was the most important thing. But kids loved, well, at least my son loved milk and it was it was hard. But I started making my own um, cashew milk, almond milk at home um, because what we found out was even the almond milk that we bought in the store had some um, a preservative that would trigger his asthma. So he would have asthma attack. And so I was like, okay, we're just making this at home. We're not going out and, you know, buying things. So, yeah, so it was a lot of work, especially working full time and um, trying to take care of kids and their dietary needs. It, it's a lot of work. A lot of work, is it, but it's worth it. I mean, it's a lot Absolutely. of work and it's, it's more expensive. Um, yes. It, and I think people will understand and notice and they'd have to test this if you're going to explore this. Anybody out there that's going to explore this, you need to, to really think about this. You, you can do a test. You go for yeah. three weeks eating just mm -hmm. organic food, nothing yeah. but organic food. Prior to doing that, for example, get a strawberry. This, mm -hmm. this is significant. Taste it. Remember what it tastes like. Remember what you felt. Remember what you saw. Look at the color. And then go three weeks it's just a cleanse. It'll cleanse your body. So even if you don't stick with it, it will cleanse you. And, and you might be lucky enough to say, hey, I want to keep doing this. At the end of that three weeks, try an organic strawberry and you'll notice the taste and the, and the, the look of it and the taste of it and the juiciness of it. it, it you can tell the difference. It, it's yeah. amazing. It's just amazing. Absolutely. Um, and so I think coming from India and coming to US, it was like, the fruits just didn't taste right. Like it didn't have the sweetness. It didn't have the, the apples. Um, like they didn't have that certain taste. Bananas even. Um, exactly. 100%. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, you can really, the difference and what it does for your body. What mm -hmm. it does for, I mean, look at me, I'm 80 years old. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm actually, you don't look I, at all. I'm actually 60. I'll be 62 okay. years old this, this year. Okay. I'll be 62 <laughs> years old. But I look at other people who are 62 years old with me, 60, 61, 62 years old, and uh, they look so much older than me yeah. Um, yeah. just because of the lifestyle and, and what they put into their bodies and so forth. So it makes a difference in your lifestyle. But we'll get into Absolutely. that. We will get into that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's talk about your journey through death, loss, and grief. Mm. Yeah, so I think it started with, um, and then I also with nutrition, I did Reiki, and that's what kind of shifted and changed things, uh, brought into awareness, um, and, and kind of synchronistic events where um, I met so many people um, and journeyed through like the travels and everything that led me to where I am right now. Um, while writing this uh, book, that I'm doing, um, the sacred death, what the process that it really showed me when I meditate, that it showed me that this journey began even when I was little. Um, this, when my grandfather passed away, I still remember, I think I was seven or eight years old, where so I was brought to that moment in my meditation where I vividly remember 
going from like out of body experience almost and heightening all my senses where I'm going from one room to the other and watching everyone grieve and how, um, you know, how people grieve differently and how um, that whole family dynamic shifts. And then there is this void left uh, by this uh, person that has passed away and the ceremonies that surround the rituals that follows and um, traditions and things. And so that, that whole um, uh, dynamic of death and my journey started when my dad passed away 11 years ago. And um, you have this awareness, you start questioning things, you start you want to learn the meaning of life, you know, especially when a loved one that you're so close to pass away. It's like, what is the, really, what is the purpose of this whole life? Like for me, you know, I started asking all these existential crises, you know, who am I? Why am I here? Um, I'm sure that life is more than what we see. Like it cannot be, I'm not just born to, you know, go to school, then study and um, go to college and work and get married, have kids and all that. It has to be more than that. And what is that more? So that curiosity, right? So that, I think that death really brings um, that shift in awareness and it gives us an opportunity to really uh, question and see where you are in life. Um, and yeah. and to also know that the grief, um, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you, but I was right? just going to say, like, I didn't start grieving my dad until six to seven years later. So to see that grief doesn't have a time period, like it doesn't have to start at certain point, it doesn't have to end at certain point, um, or you know, it it's a journey and it's to the you know last breath that you take, you will be grieving your loved one. You know, you know, yeah, exactly. It, it, you putting it that way is a very interesting that. And that's the thing that I've learned as well. Grief does not have a time limit. You're not. Mm -mm. I mean, in some in some societies and society has presented itself. Well, they mm -hmm. give you three days off from work. To, you, you're somebody right. just died. You get three days. OK, by three days, you're supposed to be back to work, back to normal. Mm -hmm. Everything's supposed to be good. Somebody said, well, it's been a week or it's been two weeks. How come you're not better yet? How come you're yeah. not over it yet? You should move on. They've created an environment for hurry up, grieve, get over it, move on, buck up, you know, right. reboots on and move forward. In reality, I think that grief, grief should be, it's something that affects us individually. And you don't necessarily, and correct me if I'm wrong, but this in my experience, um, I've dealt with a lot of death in my lifetime, mm -hmm. both personally and professionally. Um, it, grief is something that you don't always go, I'm going to follow these five steps. I'm going to be angry. And I'm going to be in denial. I'm going to be this. I'm going to be that. And then I'm going to get over it. And it doesn't okay. always work that way. You can be, it could be in a different way. You could be angry first. And then you could be, you know, in denial at first. You can be angry, acceptable of it. And then in denial then. And it, everybody's grief journey is their own and unique to their own. Yes, life has to move forward because if you don't move forward and you wallow in the grief, you, you can't move forward in a positive way and help those around you. But grief, I grieve my father. My father died 
1977. That's a mm. long time ago. I was 17 right. years old. I grieved my father for a long time. I grieve him still to this yeah. day. And, I, and I've already expressed how old I am. So that's a secret I didn't want to say. <laughs> but it, you know, it's, um, I, I agree with you. Grief can stay yeah. with you, but grief also allows you the opportunity to, to remember somebody and mm -hmm. the legacy of that person and what they brought to you and what part of your life that they are, which I, we're going to talk about here in a little bit about leaving a legacy and, and the right. legacy of, of life and death. But um, it, it, l grieving can allow us to heal, but also in a positive way. Absolutely. And you're right. You know, um, you know, when a, a baby is born, we, we are given this um, six weeks or eight weeks of holidays, right? Um, or off from work. So when somebody dies, it's only three days, you know, so that that's really that that shift that needs to happen, right. you know, we've lived with this person. It doesn't matter how long, you know, even, right. um, yeah, a child loss can be devastating. Yep. And, yep. you know, um, so there is so much that goes on with grief. There is so much, uh, depending on how your relationship is with that person, there are so much regrets and um, shame and guilt and so many other emotions that are, uh, attached to it, that you have to go through them. You cannot go around them. There's no other way. And um, with immense love, that's why you feel that immense grief for that person. Um, you know, when I meditate, sometimes it just comes up where I'm um, just recently as last month where I want my dad here. You know, I want you here. I want to you to be part of my kid's life. And because I know how wonderful and great he would have been uh with my kids and so it's yes it, it's you are going to grieve, grieve that person until the last breath you take but um and and yeah the choice is yours you know which way are you going to go are you going to go to towards um sit in that depression and you know keep going down into the uh the depth of your sorrow or are you going to come out of it? And it's okay to stay in there for a little bit. And I think we don't ask for enough help. We don't ask for, we don't grieve with everybody else um, because we have to be the strong person for someone else or we have to be um, strong for um, our kids or another, you know, the sibling or parent or anything. And so, or we're not supposed to show any of our emotions. Yeah, that, uh, that's a bad that's one. Tells, right? Yeah, that, that's a really bad one. You're not supposed to cry. You're not supposed to, you're supposed to be right. strong. You're not supposed to be weak. Yeah. You're not supposed yeah. to cry. You're supposed to be, you know, wipe away right. your tears. Men, especially men too. Yeah. It's hard for them. You know, nobody really, uh, they expect them to be strong. And, you know, uh, nobody ever asked them, like, how are you feeling? You know, or uh, express whatever you need to express. Right. You know, grief is very messy and it's okay. Um, I and, still, mm -hmm. I'm, saying, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I still have problems yeah. with crying. Um, yeah. and, and a lot of that is not just because the the male perspective of it, but because of my profession. You know, mm. in my, my previous profession, you, you don't mm. show fear. You don't show yeah. weakness. You don't show emotion. You know, right. when, when you're with somebody that passes, 
you know, you're holding their hand and they're telling you, you need to please, please pass this message on for me because I can't. And you know that they're going to die. It, yeah. It's very difficult. You, you, you're told to repress it, push it down and override it. And then when you go and deliver that message, you, you, you are still trained to repress it, push it down. But in yeah. reality, inside you're kind of going, oh my God. And, yeah. and you want to cry and you want to cry with this person, but, yeah. but you're taught you can't. So it took me, even, even now, now I have done so much work that I'll watch a movie and my wife will say, you're crying, aren't you? Now you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I uh, cry even in that, a commercial sometimes. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's sand in my eyes. It's, that's what it is. It's sand from outside. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but it's it's that's interesting. Um, the kind of, kind of how how society has presented the position for that. Where in some societies they celebrate death. In some society, I mean, even the Irish. The Irish have a wake. They have a funeral, but they have a wake, and you're supposed to celebrate that person's life mm -hmm. um, from that perspective. Uh, and I know that in other cultures they celebrate the death as much as they celebrate the life. Yes, absolutely. And so I had the opportunity to see that with my family. And I've been in both spectrum where I've seen the mourning that goes on for a year versus the celebration that happens the day after, you know, it starts, right. the process starts and you're like, wait a minute, why are they, you know, so my grandmother's um, funeral, uh, I went to India with my mom, this is my mom's mom. And um they're all laughing and talking about her and they're really um, uh, enjoying the moment and celebrating the, the full life that they, she lived and the legacy she left. And um, I am, you know, I was stunned by it. Um, like, why are, isn't any, like, of course they shed tears. And by the time we went, got there, um, it, two, three days later, it was um, different, you know, but yeah, they really, they were, they, they really celebrated her. And so um, mm -hmm. to see that spectrum and um, I also, while doing this uh, work, I also looked into another, uh, other different ancient um, cultures, their beliefs and their ceremonies and what they do. And all of them actually celebrated and death is part of life. And that's how it was. Even the children's were introduced to it and um, talked about like storytelling, there are fables and um, there are gods and goddesses of death and underworld in most of these cultures. And um, I looked up and there were, um, there's actually a list out there, 25, god and goddesses or list of 25 god and goddesses of death and underworld and you will see um you know from aztec from mayan uh, nordic celtic uh, hindus uh, buddhists and the beliefs that everybody have has um greek and egyptian and so all of these cultures you know this was part of life and it is right Death is part of life. I mean, everybody's yeah. born. You have a life, whether whether no matter what happens, you have a life experiences. You have your journey, and then right. everybody dies. And right. um, you know, it it's with my 
my grandfather on my mother's side passed away. I think I was probably 10 years old. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't understand. My parents, unfortunately, did not um, educate us. My, I have a brother and a sister in, in regards to death and what happens with death and anything about dying. So that was my first experience with somebody from a family member dying. And all I remember is, here's your suit, here's your tie, I'm going to tie your tie, and we're going to go to the funeral. And yeah. I did not know what a funeral was because my parents did not teach me what a funeral was. That was my first experience with it. So when I got there, I was kind of confused. And, you know, they're lowering the casket into the into the ground. And I'm going, what are they doing? And all right. they're going is, shh, you know, you can't, right. you, don't, you can't talk right now, kind of a thing. And even afterwards, you know, we went over to my grandmother's and we had, uh, you know, there was a, everybody met and then had food and stuff like that. And nobody would talk about it. Yeah. You know, which, which is sad. So... My children, because of my profession and because of you know, other things that happened in my life, my children, I introduced them to death as part of life at a very early age. So they were there when, when um, my stepfather uh, was their grandfather all of their life. Uh, he was my stepfather longer than my father was my father. Um, okay. Wonderful man. Uh, signified that you don't have to be blood to be family. I mean, mm -hmm. immensely. Uh, so when he passed away of cancer, you know, they were present and I explained it to them and they, they were there and took part of that and, and were able to say goodbye, able to say what they wanted to say, which is, to me, was important. You know, my wife yeah. went, why are you doing that? Why are you doing that? It's like, they need to know. They need to learn. They need to understand this so they're not shocked and kind of go, well, where's grandpa? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and there's so much sacredness to that. You know, that whole space, it creates this together you mourn together you say goodbyes together even with the person present right there um you're allowing them you're kind of detaching them and that whole space that um and it's almost like a ceremony you know you're creating Absolutely. that safe space to talk about and feel whatever you want to feel and say i i agree with that um i i 100 agree with that so as a, how long did it take you to kind of integrate everything of your holistic healing practice? Um, I, I want to talk about the, uh, and understand intuitive energy healing and see how that kind of plays a factor in all this. But before we get to there, I, I know that you, you've come to practice and integrate a whole set of modalities for holistic right. healing. Yeah. Um, it, it gets too much sometimes. Yeah. So it, do you want, to, you want to talk about that, or should we just go right into energy sure. healing and how? I can talk about the death, um, the end-of-life doula that um, I certified in last year. Uh, this was online through University of Vermont, and I was really guided um, in synchronistic events that led me to that class. As of January of 2020, I didn't even know something like that existed. Um, and so when I took that course, I, um, I still didn't know what I was going to do with that and what was the purpose of me. I had enough on my plate. Um, but when I st took that, I realized that how much I began this journey on this whole death, um, like really the curiosity once my dad died 
And that's what brought me to life and his legacy, seeing where he, um, the things that he did, even without um, having much money, education, anybody can change, um, you know, help anyone. So seeing that, I, I kept asking, what would be my legacy and what is my purpose? And um, my dad's side, uh, most, all his siblings died in their late 50s or early 60s. And him and his um, sister, uh, one of, there were seven of them. And so just the last two, my dad was the youngest. And his parents died when he was two, both of them within six months. So he really um, grew up from, you know, from families to family. Like he was really brought up by a village, right? His friends, parents. And so he valued life for sure um, and valued people and the need to help others, to be there for other people um, as he was taken care of. And so seeing that and knowing that if I had, I was like 38 or something, I think I was around then, um, 37 or so, that knowing that if I only had 20 or 30 years to live, then that real short time and I need to start um, moving forward and really start looking at what is it that my purpose, why am I here and I need to really um, find that out. And that was the journey. And so when I took this course um, last year, it really, um, I guess that was my calling to um, speak a little bit openly about death and having conversation with people, allowing them to talk about what they think and um, seeing different um, cultures and what their beliefs are, because we're billions of people on this world and um, that many perspective and that many ways to heal and grieve. And um, so I really wanted to, I was curious about what are other people doing? How are they, uh, helping themselves. Um, I'm telling you, I had severe insomnia, I didn't sleep, depression, and I would get angry, you know, so fast. And uh, life was just not, it, it was hard. Um, the four or five years after that my dad passed until I figured out. And so the healing energy that I used was uh, Reiki, which is a Japanese form of touch healing. And that really brought into my awareness and existence um, so many things. Um, not only did it um, help me with my insomnia, help me with my depression, um, but it showed how life was so beautiful. It showed me that every moment holds this miracle and magic in it. And just kind of following that magic moment to moment kind of led me to the life that is so beautiful. If you just change your perspective and if you just shift your outlook and look at it differently. Um, so daily meditation, I've been practicing daily meditation um, since 2014, I want to say. And, um, and things start shifting and changing to where um, my life and my purpose should be. Uh, it's taken me where I am. So that's what intuitive really means. It's like we all have this 
GPS system built in us. We just have to be in that stillness to really listen to it. Um, and it, it, it's very gentle, you know, it's like, uh, it's not like the car GPS where it's like, okay, make a U-turn, make a U-turn, you know, it keeps, um, whatever you, the choice is yours. And it, it's up to you whether you're going to take responsibility of yourself and taking care of yourself. That's, I mean, I think that, um, it comes back, like you said, it comes to a choice. You can make a choice mm -hmm. and everybody's got a choice. Everybody's got free right. will. And you make the choice whether you can move forward or whether or not you want to stay where you're at. And um, I think through, especially through the death part, uh, you mentioned doula. Mm -hmm. can, can we talk about that a little bit? What exactly is that? Um, so uh, when someone is uh, at the end stage, like they're terminally ill or um, the hospice, if they go into hospice, so death doula is someone that uh, helps through the helps the family helps the um, patient. Um, either they you know they sit through the patient, they companion um, them, they sit vigil, meaning at their end stage, not knowing you know when they're going to pass away. Uh, they pick up on signs and um, what they're. Uh, talking about sometimes, you know, the family member is not able to understand um, what the loved one is saying in in their end stage, um, and what does that mean? Um, for example, that many people that are at that end stage sometimes they see their loved ones that are deceased, and they talk about. You know, oh, they're right here, or I see them. And we think, you know, that maybe they're hallucinating. Uh, maybe something's wrong with them. And so, um, or if they say, you know, I see light, or I see angels around me. Um, I see um, the loved ones standing around me. So what does that mean? And, you know, there are numerous research done out there uh, that, helps with that. And so um, end of life doula also helps through, it's almost like they're there to help between the nursing help or um, doctors, and they're there to help the family figure out what's going on, help with advanced directives, help with uh, funeral arrangements, uh, or last wishes. They can even uh, do legacy uh, projects with them, or it's called dignity therapy, but really focuses the client or the patient that is at their end stage and what are their wishes. And it kind of is an outsider who has more of a unconditional positive regard, meaning without judgment, without criticism, uh, without bringing their opinion and their um, values and all, just kind of seeing what the patient wants, what, what is their last wish, what are their last wishes, um, bringing in, um, you know, some of the musicians or some music or healing energies, whatever they are okay to make them comfortable, make them pain-free, um, their, their last moments, like helping them live until their last breath. And that's a positive thing. Um, I think that some people, my, we took care of my father-in-law 
who had Lewy body dementia, mm -hmm. and he absolutely 100% didn't want to go into a home and mm. did not want to go into a situation where he um, would have to be taken care of by other people in a facility that he didn't recognize. Right. And um, I, it was, it, obviously we, as I say, we as his kids, as in my wife right. had been married for 32 years. So wow. um, it, myself, her as her father and, and myself made that decision when he asked us if we would take care of him. We mm -hmm. made the choice to take care of him, bring him in here um, to a home. And we made every arrangement that we could get and gave him the opportunity um, to basically pass on his own terms, mm -hmm. which I think is important. And that's kind of that's kind of what, what the, the death doula, from what I understand, what you just described, you give that person an opportunity to go basically on their own terms. You, right. give, you give them the opportunity and the family the opportunity to spend the time, which... Um, it's an amazing, it's an amazing gift, actually. It's honoring their wishes and um, honoring what they want and like. And it's really, um, you know, helping the family, too, with that, with really helping them process this whole thing, you know, being that safe space to um, say and speak and just bring them together. And um, sometimes, you know, some soul... Um, just lingers like they're not able to give go because there's something that is not done yet. It's not mm -hmm. finished a business and all. So what is it? Do they need to speak to someone? Do they, you know, uh, who do we need to call and things like that? So just kind of being that person. And there are many that volunteer. It's part of the hospice group. And um, yeah. Well, I commend you for that. That, I mean, that's a, it's a difficult journey even for you because even though it's strangers, you become, I'm sure you, you become attached to these people. Right, right. Part of their, you become part of their lives, part of their journey. Right, yeah. And, yeah. you know, kind of a, an intimate part of their journey because it is participating in end of life Yeah. from a different perspective. So um, thank you for doing that. Yeah. Honestly, I, I, know what, I know what it means. I know what it is. You know, I, I don't want to... We were just talking about emotion earlier, so I don't want to bring any That's, tears to my eyes. But, okay. <laughs> you know, there were too many times that I have watched people that died alone or yes. that the last person they saw was an EMT or a paramedic or a police officer yeah. or a doctor. And um, in those situations, you know, you could see, like I said, every time somebody said, can you can you please tell somebody? It, that resonates with me. I remember it. it. It's part of my life. It's part of my soul mm -hmm. now because yeah. I, I was there for them when nobody else was there for them. Mm -hmm. you, you know what I mean? So I, I honestly, when I say from my heart that something that you do with that perspective yeah. um, is a very, it's a gift. It's a very, it's a gift. And so there is uh, this program also, No One Dies Alone, where um, these end-of-life doulas or volunteers, they actually sit vigil with the patient until they pass away so that they don't go alone. So they're oh, holding hands and yes. And so, you know, I, I'm very new at this. So I, you know, I honestly, I can't say so much about it. I do more of a energy healing and I help with the grief process and everything. So far, that's what I've done uh, with 2020 and COVID and everything closing. 
it was hard to go out there and find something. Um, mm. But I was definitely called in to do more of a distant healing and energy work um, for the client and their loved ones that are that, that were passing. Help us understand what energy healing is in regard to grief and loss. Mm. Um, well, there are so many different modalities, right? And so I'm more speaking in terms of um, Reiki or uh, life force. It's also as a chi energy, prana, which is the life force, right? And so um, it just brings that calmness. It um, So you said in terms of grie uh, grief and... Um, Sorry, no, I kind it, of... It, that's what? okay. In terms of grief and loss, you tell you, 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 you do in... Um, that you do... Uh, uh, okay. The healing, the intuitive right. healing. With yeah. that, how does that play a factor? Um, so for me, like if I do it on myself, um, what it looked like was just being in that... So the first time that, you know really I thought that I started the process of grieving my dad in 2016 where I am, you know, I just go into meditation and I observe the light coming through um, from my head. So solar plexus and just cleansing everything um, and going down and grounding me and taking away all that negative energy and toxicity. And so um, when you're stressed and when you're anxious, all that calms down your energy. It grounds you and things. But um, at, at certain points, it's whatever it is that the whatever your emotion it brings, it shifts it. It moves up to the surface. So anything when you're irritated, you can't sleep. It's um, you know I had someone that I was working with um, with great trauma. Uh, of death of parents that um, was throughout that whole session was really irritated and moving so much, moving their legs. It's like the pain coming back and all that, but it was just coming up. It was coming into awareness. So we cannot move and shift anything if it's not into awareness, if it's really hiding into our subconscious mind, it's hiding. If you've actually just put it in a box and, like put it deep inside our somewhere in um, ourselves that we don't even want to look at it. We don't even want to deal with it. We've numbed ourselves. We've distracted, you know, we come up with all these distractions and addictions um, that kind of, um, you kind of put this cover over it. Um, and so, but it helps you uh, process um, and it helps you bring that up so that you can release it. You can um, truly process it in a way that brings healing. And so, it's okay. It's all I good. thought I had that but, turned off. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's okay. So it brings um, that peace and that um, that calmness and. Um, it, it, that's how, because when you're in that peaceful state, you're able to, um, go a little deeper within you. So basically, uh, you, I mean, you're healing the energy from the inside. Yes. Inside and out. so, 
Right. And, and, and it's different with different people. You know, it starts out very superficial and then it keeps going deeper and deeper. So it's not like a one session that will fix it all. Um, and, and some of my clients do ask, you know, like, okay, and then they come or some people come for that one healing session and they're like, oh, nothing worked, nothing shifted. But then you see them five days or uh, a week or two weeks down the road, their relationships are better. They're much happier. They're losing weight. They are, um, you know, doing um, some of the things that they really loved. Um, and so that's how the shift starts happening. They start um, uh, feeling much better and th that shows around them, that shows in their relationship, that shows in their work, um, the abundance that comes after that, you know, once you start moving these energies that have been stuck. Um, because it's so important. We are energy beings. And um, 60 to 70% we're water. And so we know that water, when it's stagnant, what happens? It gives, brings Attracts mosquitoes, mosquitoes. <laughs> right? Infections and everything. So what happens with the water and energy that are stagnant and stuck in our body? You know, it, it brings infections and illnesses and diseases. And that's what it is, dis-ease in our body. Disease. So, I mean, that's an yeah, that's an interesting way of putting that. I've yeah. not thought about it from that perspective. Disease yeah. makes right. sense. So the, um, that uneasiness in our atoms, uneasiness in our cells, uneasiness in our muscles, bones, you know, our emotions, because it's just stagnant. It's not moving. Remember, everything is in motion. Everything has to be in motion, right? Everything is changing and shifting and evolving, and so does. All that has to shift and change and evolve in us too. Yeah, that's a very it's a positive thing. We've only got a few minutes left. Um, yeah, sure. Let's talk about holy fire and Karuna Reiki. Okay, I, I, I've not heard of holy fire before. Yeah, um, so this is um, created by uh, William Lee Rand, and um, so it's still a Sui um, form of Reiki, um, but it has a um, um, a holy fire energy to it and his guide is Jesus and Holy Spirit and Holy Fire and so um, it, it is just one form of Reiki where uh, you just imagine the light coming through and the light and the your guides and angels and them doing the um, you, you know we are always surrounded by our loved ones our ancestors our angels our guides we just have to ask <clears throat> for their help and um, either they will, they always help. And um, so Holy Fire Reiki is, with Asui Reiki, you have these symbols. And so uh, Reiki 1 is just history. And then Reiki 2 gives you these three symbols. Uh, one is um, something that gives speed um, for healing, to healing. And the second is emotional healing. Um, and then the third symbol is distant healing and it could be distant past distant um, future or it could be in distant you can heal someone else uh, and their circumstances and um, with karuna reiki it goes deeper in with uh, past life regression it helps with uh, ancestral healing it helps with 
uh, addictions and things. So there are eight symbols in that. So these symbols are very sacred and it really helps. Um, and, you know, anything and everything that you do, it's if you believe in it and have faith in it, then it helps and it works. Um, it has changed my life significantly. And so uh, I help. Uh, my passion is helping caregivers and so uh, and healthcare workers and um, to help them. So I teach these certified um, people um, with Reiki one, Reiki two, master level, and then the next one is Karuna Reiki. Um, I also have seen animals, so dogs, pets, dogs, and cats, um, and it, all these things just kind of happen naturally. Um, where dogs have just approached me, and I kind of had internal conversation with them, not even knowing, and so um, that's what I meant intuition. I'm not a psychic, but uh, I have the clairs, they call it the clairvoyance, the clairsentient. And so when I'm healing, I'm able to, uh, I'm more visual kind of person. So I visualize things. Um, so more of a quantum healing, just going and seeing the light and changing and shifting and um, clearing the chakras and things. So oh, that's pretty cool, actually. And, you know, I, I, we, I, I understand the thing about talking to animals. Uh, people, yeah. people need if they really, if you think about it, animals are, are, have a soul, in my opinion. Yeah. And if you Absolutely. look, they're they're always talking to you. You just have to mm -hmm. listen. You, you know, they're always saying something to you. You just have to listen. Yeah. And yeah. they're intelligent. That's why they know when you call them by name, they're here. Yeah. When you ask them if they're, well, I can't say it really out loud, but D I N N E R. <laughs> they know what that is, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. They recognize the word. So, yeah, yeah I like listening to them. Um, you have a unique online cafe. Right. So I'm starting that um, actually uh, in July, end of July, uh, first week of August. But it will be on one of my social media um, platform doing a death um, cafe. Uh, and it's an organization where you talk about um, anything about, you know, it's open to anyone and you talk about death and dying. Um, and it could be, you know, death of a relationship, death of anything, whatever you want to talk about in terms of death and dying. It is not a um, grief counseling session, but it's 90 minutes um, online or um, in person. Uh, but the first one will be online um, and yeah, so anyone can uh, is welcome to come for that, and yeah. Well, how do we live life to the fullest? How do we live uh, moment by moment, and being in stillness, uh, really observing, step taking a few steps back, and really observing and listening um, to observing what's going on around you and listening to what's happening around you, um, you'll see the magic that unfolds and be curious and ask questions and your questions will be answered. The more you're in stillness, all those questions will be answered and people will be brought to you. Like there'll be this, people say coincidence, but it's really synchronicity. It's like everything happens, um, not a millisecond uh, here and there, you know, everything happens for a reason. And so, 
It's like always Itali the Italians say live, laugh, love. Yeah, exactly. Live, laugh, love. That that that's my way of living life to the fullest. Live, yeah. laugh, and love. In living yeah. means moving forward, in in getting proactive in what we do. Yeah. Um, you have a a um, I know you get a couple of books, but you get a chance to talk about. So, if you can please tell everybody how we can get a hold of you in the two books that you've written chapters in, co-authored, as well as one that's coming up. Yeah, so you can um, reach me at um, himalivora.com. Uh, that's my website, and you will have information on how to um, get these books. Um, and the third one that's coming out is Sacred Death, uh, where I'm the lead author in it. And I have 24 other authors uh, with from different background. I have someone from Austria, one from Australia, New Zealand, India, and the others in um, U.S. that have uh, written um, chapters on different perspective and how they took death and um, how death has um, brought them where they are and how they follow these um, healing uh, modalities and how it helps and so it really is their story and the tools that they use and they help uh, other uh, caregivers and so it's for 25 healing tools for caregivers and um, it, it gives you so much information and it's beautiful it comes from different perspective um, yeah and different cultures uh, and it really helps you through your grief and pain and loss and um, to really um, have an open mind and to shift your perspective so that you can live a full life. That's outstanding. And I will make sure that I've got everything in uh, the show notes for everybody, as well as what you've just seen on the screen Thank so you. that uh, they yeah. would have uh, links to your website and to uh, how to get to the books and so forth. And when the one comes out in August, um, I, I'll make sure that it will be in the show notes as well. So this is one more thing before you go. Okay. So I have to ask you, do you have any words of wisdom or anything you want to share with anybody before we go? Hmm. There is nothing wrong and right in how you heal yourself or how you grieve. Um, but just make sure that you go through it and ask for help you know there are so many of us that are out there that are um, really eager to help you to live your life to the fullest those are excellent words of wisdom i really appreciate it and i thank you for sharing your journey and your wisdom your knowledge and your experience with us i really appreciate you being here and what you do for the world thank you so much for having me really appreciate it and everybody you can find me on youtube don't forget to look for us on Spotify and Apple and just about every other platform that uh, hosts any kind of a podcast. Look for one more thing before you go. Thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life. If you like our show and want to know more, check out our website at beforeyougopodcast.com. That's beforeyougopodcast.com. Tell your story, share your expertise, contribute to the blog, and subscribe to the newsletter. You can find us as well as subscribe to the program and rate us on your favorite podcast listening platform. 
And one more thing before you go. Have a nice day. Have a nice week. And thanks for listening. One More Thing Before You Go, a unique conversation about life podcast, is a creation of One More Thing Productions, established 2010, all rights reserved.